I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Who has saved the most penalties in the Premier League? The number one podcast. Hello and welcome to episode three of the number one podcast. If you're a new listener, this is the football podcast where we focus on the goalkeeping side of the game and what's gone on inside the 18-yard box. I'm Lloyd Griffith and this is my co-host, David Priest. David, how are you? I'm very well. How are you, Matt? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, not too bad. A bit of easy weekend. Not much going on. Well, I say that. I did five gigs in total and uh, watched a lot of football. What about you? What did you get up to? Um, I was up in Newcastle for the weekend. Uh, Very nice. Got to see Newcastle Southampton. Not a not a lot to see goalkeeper wise, but it was a uh, was a decent game to watch. I actually was in Newcastle uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, well, you know. Yeah, and do you know where I stayed? Go on then. Whitley Bay Caravan Park. Ah, yes. On my own in a static caravan. It was quite possibly the loneliest three days of my life. <laughs> Let me tell you, I've had some lonely days. Do you watch football outside of that? Yeah, well, like every weekend I watch most of the games, so it was uh, it was like every other weekend. It's there's a lot of uh, a lot of goalkeeping action went on and a lot for us to talk about. There's a lot for us to talk about. Later on, I will be answering that question: Who has made the most penalty saves in the Premier League? Do you know this? You don't, do you? I don't know. Um, um, I've been trying to have a little bit think about. It, so while we're Going through the, the show, I'll, I'll try and uh, jot something down. Yeah, and if you're listening at home, have a little think who that might be. If you uh, get the correct answer, you get to win yourself a little pat on the back and a uh, chocolate hobnob providing you've got chocolate hobnobs and also hands. Um, another massive thank you for all the lovely tweets and retweets we've been getting. And the response has been overwhelming. I mean, there's a lot of love for you, David. Well, it's a surprise on that. I mean, obviously they don't know me. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I see the tweets. I'm like, if only they knew. I mean, that he's actually chaining me up in a re- recording studio in North London. No, but is it just goes to prove that we've, uh, you know, we were right when we, when we first thought about doing this. There, there was a, there was a, yeah, no, maybe isn't a need for it, but there, there was definitely a space for it, and people wanted to to talk about goalkeeping in, in a lot more depth than it had been. Well, I'd say not a need for it, but. Almost certainly there's a lot of people saying that there's been lazy criticism of goalkeepers and lazy analysis of goalkeepers. And I'm not taking anything away from the, you know, because the pundits that are out there are very good at their job. But I think sometimes when it comes to goalkeeping, there isn't necessarily the analysis out there. Mark Schwartz is uh, doing it, but he's like one goalkeeper out of, say, 30 pundits, really. Yeah, um, we've seen it again this weekend, you know, it is, it's, it's kind of just laying blame on goals for for. Uh, to goalkeepers where, where really you know this needs to be a lot more understanding absolutely yeah. and we've got that in you you know uh, an ex-professional goalkeeper well, well hopefully do you know what the thing is it's I, I never go out uh, to make a point and say that I'm totally right about what I say and, okay. and, and sometimes I don't know whether it might come across like that but what's happened now is hopefully that there's more debate about it there's more talk there's more people looking at things from a different angle yeah. and and really that's what I wanted I wanted I, you know I, I'm interested in other people's views I want people to give me a view that I've never that I haven't thought about as well so when people tweet me and, and they give me their thoughts it makes me think about it differently as well yeah because you I, what I've noticed as well from following me on Twitter is that you will open to you know you, you'll basically you'll have, you'll have a dialogue. It won't mm. just be one side again. Well, no, I'm the ex, I'm the, I'm the ex pro. I, I know better than you. You know you'll have that you'll have that dialogue. And sometimes you might be right. Do you mean and not probably you, you might be because you're the ex, ex, ex keeper. But sometimes an armchair viewer 
might have a good point. Oh no, yeah, exactly. And, and sometimes when you're getting somebody from outside of a bubble or outside of sort of the norm, uh, it's better for them to give a another perspective on it and, and see it from a, a fresher pair of eyes. So I'm, I'm all for that. But yeah, thank you very much for all the all the lovely stuff we've been getting through. We're going to ask one favour, um, and that is. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, and hopefully you have, uh, we've got a, a number of uh, lovely reviews on iTunes. If you have got the time, and hopefully you have got the time, um, if you could leave us a lovely five-star review on iTunes, that would be amazing. But not only that, put a, you have to like, write a little, even if it's just a few words, because then it means that um, basically... If it's better reviewed, it's easier to find. If it's easier to find, which means it becomes more popular. If it's more popular, more people listen to it, uh, which means that we then have access to more sponsorship, which then means that we can retire in about a year and a half time and not have to do this again. Well, I mean, just as an example, I mean, you don't use this as, need to use this as a template, but no. I mean, just for example, you could say something like, uh, re enjoy the show, give us a good insight into uh, to goalkeeping they've had before. David Priest should be on, definitely should be on TV doing this yes. sort of analysis. Just that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, by no means use that as a template but also you know if you can't think of anything uh you know read it what will um well basically we'll be later on we'll be reading out a few reviews um will we no we won't what we'll do later on we'll we'll award what we're going to do every week we're going to give a reviewer who's done a nice little review i mean if you're giving a one or two star review we're obviously not going to give you a bloody prize are we we're not idiots but if you leave leaving us a nice four or five star review then yeah, this is bribery well bribery bribery it is a uh, it's a strong word it's more yeah. uh, just encouragement i think to to, to for people to be positive about so this, we it? will be giving out a prize later on in the show to someone who has given us a lovely review um so, so, so i mean just get get on board Five star review. You can win a book. The book is uh, Glove Story. Um, it's a bloody brilliant book. You're in it. I'm in it. Um, I was chatting to David Seaman about it only last week. Oh, really? Very what nice. was it with David Seaman? Yeah. No big bloody King deal. Ponytail himself. King Ponytail himself. We're going to come on to ponytails uh, later on. Just, um, before, just before we get started, on. I've got a little presentation to make. So, okay. like, you know, last week we, were, we had a little discussion about how I loved my, uh, my four coloured pens. Yes. Um, and. Oh, <laughs> I spotted a couple actually on um, on on Twitter. Some uh, Archie Ryan took the uh, German expert. He there, German football expert. He uh, just noticed it, uh, and I. It's minute detail. I've got eagle eyes, but I can spot these pens off a mile off. Okay, and I'd seen that he was using it. So, uh, and then there's Chloe Beresford. She sort of chipped in as well and saying that, uh, that she loves the pens. So I'm starting a little appreciation society for, for the, the for four, four colour pen. big pens. Yeah. So I like to make a small presentation no this morning. I've, I, I've went out and bought you bought you on so This just, uh, is great. You that have is, one of your own. I mean, that is amazing. You can probably, it's brand new. Yeah, it is. And so you can probably see that I've got like an uh, an all black one. It's, is that old? But that looks nice now. This is the stealth model. So wow. I mean, you know, after you've used that and you've 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 bought a few, and then you can go up to the to the next level. Maybe you can work towards having a, gonna do a, a black fork. I'm going to do a live pen. photo on the on on the show. Do you want to hold your stealth pen up? Um, this is great. This is really the the GK Union. This is thank you very much, that mate. I'm honoured. Partly appreciated. Because I man. only really use black. But it's all it's always good to have a little bit of, you know, red variety. Yeah, yeah, a bit of variety. That is <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, what we'll do first is we're gonna look at a few of your tweets. In the in the previous shows we've uh, we've not got around to um getting to the tweets um and we've kind of just at the end quickly gone through them. But there's a few, uh, mainly because I want to get a bit more insight uh, into you. David, um, the greatest uh, Lincoln City goalkeeper that I've ever done a podcast with. So, a tweet from Callum McCarthy. He says, How much did the change from balls without an outer layer of foam to balls with the outer layer uh, affect goalkeeping? Did it make it harder to come for crosses and hold shots? Has that changed much over the last 10 years? Now, I asked you this a few weeks back and you had a very good story and that is why I want this to be brought up. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, most of the time, in if you're playing football league or the Premier League, you play with the same ball all the time. Now, you know, Pep Guardiola made a big thing of the uh, mitre balls, yeah, mitre balls in the in the League Cup. Well, I mean, it obviously didn't do them much harm because yeah. they went on to win the <laughs> win the cup, like you know. But um, there is a bit of a point. He did have a bit of a point there, and uh, when I certainly when I left uh, when I left Barnsley and then came to Lincoln City. There was a, obviously a change in the balls from mitre balls, which are the football league ones, and at the time in the in the conference they were using these black and white feeler balls. Oh, I remember them. And the, yeah, and the, were they blue and white, or were they black and white? 
Well, maybe the ones we were using in trim were black and white. Okay, maybe yeah. that was it. But yeah, maybe they were blue and white. But they were sort of like the old style, sort of like like thirty two panel balls. Yeah. Like, you know, the really old school ones. And um, and I have to say, I had a lot of trouble with them. They, they could, because they, they one they moved all over the place. They, there wasn't a true sort of flight on the ball. They, it was really the movement was ridiculous on it. Um, and you know, in, in goalkeeping, just in, 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 a ball has to move just an inch. It'll just mess up your, your sort of your whole technique. And it wasn't just that. I just found them so difficult to kick. So really? Like, yeah. So like, I mean, both off the floor and out of your hands, or yeah, both, really? particularly off the off the deck and. Um, all right, when you get old, you, you, the power in your legs does go when you sort of, uh, your kicking power does go. But considering six months earlier, you know, I was having no problem sort of getting 15, 20 yards in the opposition half from goal kicks with a mitre ball. Then all of a sudden, I, I was finding myself struggling kick the, to to reach the halfway line with these really? these, with these feeler balls. And um, yeah, and so I've, I've, I've credited feeler balls with the demise of my career. <laughs> It basically just it made me feel like well, I, one, I, I shouldn't be playing anymore. And two, that yeah, it was it just so become too difficult for the me. The balls genuinely made you like not love the game as much as you used to. Yeah, it was just making th- making it more difficult. But wow. then you start getting your head thinking, oh well, this is why I am now. Look, look, I'm in the conference and we're using feeler balls. Should we be using Nike or Mitre balls? And because that's the thing. If you think about, if you say right, name me five brands of balls. I mean, feeler aren't synonymous with balls, are they? You go, you go for your Nike, you go for your Adidas, you go for your uh, Mitre. Mm. And, and that was that was difficult when I was over in Denmark as well because the the league didn't have its sort of regulation ball. Right. So whatever the the club you were playing against or your club, their sort of like kit sponsor, that was the the type really? of ball that you used. Yeah. So I mean, you used Nike, Puma, Hummel. I wasn't a big fan of Hummel balls to be honest with you. They were similar to the uh, to the Nike balls. Uh, select balls, yeah. Umbro, there's a uh, so you're using it almost you're using a different ball every week. So using so the ball does make a difference when you're playing. So say for example, someone playing in the championship, they make the step up to the to the Premier League. Obviously, they've got to get used to the flight of that ball. I, you know, because if Pep's mentioning it, then obviously it is a bit of a you know, there's a bit of a difference there. Yeah, and also just the feel of the ball as well when you're handling it. It's yeah. Um, it, it, it's some some balls do just feel slightly bigger than the than other ones. That's what you said, yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, it doesn't make a hell of a difference. So that's why I mean, if if you change your balls from FA Cup to League or a League Cup, you normally get you know, a few balls to to train with during the week to get used to it. But I mean, it's but I mean, having a nice ball though does make the world a difference. Oh, it, it does. I mean, just, not just for kicking, but also just to have in your hand, glove or no glove on, you just you, you just feel <laughs> God, so, so you just feel. Comfortable, yeah, it is. I, you're right. It's it's a safety blanket, isn't it, I guess. I mean, yeah, nice exactly. Ball. Yeah, nice ball, nice gloves, nice boots. Uh, very good question, Callum McCarthy. Thank you very much. The next question is from Taylor Monk. Uh, what a name, Taylor Monk. I can't be his real name. Is he staging him that? Taylor, if that is your real name, yeah. can you send us a photo of your driving license? Is his dad? Is his dad called Harry? Harry Monk. I don't get that. Do you not? Oh well, leave that, listeners. Okay. I don't know if we should leave that in. Should we leave it in? Yeah, yeah leave why it. not? Yeah, leave it in. Yeah. What is that from? I'll Google it later on. <laughs> Taylor Monk says, why hasn't David Priest gone into coaching and what is his point of view around goalkeeping coaching in this country? Now, Taylor, you might not know this about David, but take it away. Oh, well, I, I mean, it's what I did when I um, when I left Barnes and, and went to, um, to uh, Lincoln. Uh, I went there as part of the coaching staff as well, the goalkeeping coach, first team coach. And actually, I, I took my first goalkeeping coaching badges and certificates in, back in 2004. Oh, did you? Yeah, I think the Scottish FA were one of the first ones to to run their own spe- uh, specific goalkeeping co- uh, coaching courses up at Largs, Nersha, and uh, the SFA. So from then on, I, I, I did the qualifications with the Scottish FA then I did I took a couple of courses with the Danish FA when I was over there then when I came back did um, outfield coaching badges with uh, the PFA and, and and currently now with the uh, with the Welsh FA 
Oh, wow. So I've had like a, a real sort of broad experience of yeah, absolutely. A, 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 a sort of coaching education. Love the home nations, don't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I spread myself about, but it's um, it was really interesting, that especially the, the, the in Denmark. Yeah, I learned a lot there simply because it was I've said this many times. It was a kind of just a different way of doing things, totally yeah. different way, and it, it was it was really eye opening to me and sort of broadened my horizons the way that I thought about uh, and, and looked at goalkeeping. Um, so yeah, so and then I've been sort of coaching on and off for um, the past five, six years, uh, five years full time, and um, yeah, it was a Barnsley uh, academy under twenty threes and eighteens as well. Uh, before that, I decided to to do this full time. Yeah, it was just a bit. Of a, it was just a little a life choice, really. The fact that at the time that. Um, uh, when I was at Barnsley, I couldn't couldn't do any of the media work that I was doing, and um, and also I was up and down to Newcastle every weekend uh, to to see my daughter. And that. So it was just a, sort of a company decision where I hadn't been out of football since I was fifteen years old. Right. So and and I th- and I'd start to get more media opportunities and, and do this uh, more often. And I thought, well, I'll give it a little, give it a chance. And and do you miss it? Because I know that that you know, obviously, I work with. Um, Jimmy Bullard on Soccer AM and I speak to him and when ex-players come on it's that thing about do you miss it and a lot of them do because for, for non-stop from the age of sometimes 8 to 10 to mm. 15 from then till the age of 30, 35 you're in and around a team five yeah. days, six days a week and there's that mentality there's that camaraderie there's that I don't really want to say it banter mm. um, with your other teammates and then all of a sudden it goes it just completely goes now unless you are doing coaching you're not you're not seeing that every day yeah. and Jim said you know it took him a little while to, to get around that <laughs> weirdly he said look coming back onto Soccer AM where there is a team and obviously it's completely different to a football team but there is still a team of say like 10, 10 12 of us yeah. he said that kind of has got him back into the, to, to the way again but it must be even with goalkeeping where you're only probably working with three or four goalers at a time it you must must miss that. No, it's much better being a goalkeeping coach than than outfield. I feel just because you you can give more personal time to, and it, it just is more personal the, the relationship yeah. between goalkeeper and goalkeeper coach. So you you do form good relationships, and um, you can get into so much more detail. Uh, that's what I enjoyed about it. But it was. It wasn't until about, I don't know, just before Christmas since I started doing interviews, going into clubs and doing interviews with goalkeepers and goalkeeping coaches. That's when I, I missed it. It opened for about the, the first. It was about a year um, since I'd stopped, and I hadn't missed it at all because all oh, this was new to me. This was exciting. I was going, you know, doing radio stuff, and I quite enjoy, I enjoy the writing side of it as well because that's quite a solitary pursuit as well. Of course, and um, but I, I, you do miss that. That's what you do. You, you talk, you're saying about there about banter. It's it's not the banter. It's not about the joke in the dressing room. It's just actually being around people. Like you said about Jimmy being part of the team. It's being around people. And that's what I found hard when I started uh, doing this full time. And I'm sitting in front of a computer every day. We, we spoke about it before writing. Not writing, of course. Really. And um, you get cabin fever. I'm used to being outside three or four hours a day at a minimum. Um, Throwing balls around, yeah, diving exactly. around. It's, it's different, different it, lifestyle. Yeah, and, and being amongst other people. And then all of a sudden, I'm sat in my kitchen well, three look, days a week. And I, I know this is a goalkeeping podcast, but I'm a, I'm a comedian. I had a full-time job up until 2012. And I used to work all day, every day. And then in the evening, drive to wherever, like some comedy club in Derby, and then drive back, getting at two in the morning. And I was doing that for, I'd say, four or five years. And then when I made the decision, oh, I can't, I can't do two of these things, to then go do comedy full-time... I got the same thing, cabin mm. fever going, oh, there's, there's no one around. But it takes a bit of getting used to. You have to get into various routines mm. to, to make yourself aware of it. But it is uh, it, it is weird. I'm sure a lot of people who might be listening have, have had the same thing, you know, where they've gone freelance or if there's any ex-pros listening that have then been released. And it's uh, it's hard, but it's I'm sh- I guess with you, you're still now able to go into football clubs and speak to footballers and stuff. So you're still... Yeah, I'm still involved. Points, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm still involved with the game. That's that's a, the best part of what I'm doing now. Right. Let's have a look at what happened in your favourite ever feature, Between the Sticks. So the games we're going to look at today, first one, Manchester United 2, Liverpool 1. Now, last night, Sunday night, on Twitter, I saw you interacting with a little bit of dialogue with regards to Carrius. Now, before we get onto that, it was the clash of the ponytails. Two goalkeepers... Both had ponytails. I was watching that live with the band Blossoms. 
How is it? Bit of a clang. And I asked the question, when was the last time two Premier League goalkeepers faced each other that had ponytails? I put it out on the uh, number one podcast Twitter account. And there's no official answer. Would you have a guess at when that might have been? No. I think, it might have been, I think it might have been David Seaman, Ian Walker. Yeah, but Ian Walker, he had more of a bob than the air. He did have a bob, but I've got a Behind the ears, wasn't he? Who was that Sunderland goalkeeper who had the long air who um, Cantona chipped? Oh, Perron? No. No, uh, Lionel Perez. Perez, Perez. Yeah. He had a ponytail, didn't he? Um, no, well, again, I don't know if he used, he used to have a long. He used to put it behind his ears. I, really? I was at uh, I was at Sunderland with, with, with Lionel. We'll call him yeah, Lionel. Yeah, were you there at the same time? Yeah, he's very temperamental. Was he? Yeah. So that game, um, he'd have hated a feelable, wouldn't he? Yeah. Oh, I, uh, any movement on the ball, he'd hate. It. But he was a uh, yeah, very a, a typical temperamental Frenchman. He was um, that game he talked about when uh, Cantona chipped him. Um, I used to warm up before the games because I was on the bench at the time. I've just come back from a broken arm, um, and he. Uh, so I was warming him up, and if the ball wasn't kicked straight at him, he'd, he'd be furious because he didn't want to look like a fool in front of the crowd. Or oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Sometimes I used to think he just used to get uptight before games. But anyway, so I was giving him a few volleys before the game, uh, just from six yards away, and a couple of might have been sort of like just here, but like a foot to his right, and you could see him getting more angry, and like <laughs> so. I mean, to be honest with you, I wasn't really too bothered because I was thinking, just thought, well, if you're going to be stroppy, I'm not going to bother doing it properly to you. Like, you know, if you're not going to be good to me, I'm not going to be good to you. So, so did you celebrate when Cantona scored? <laughs> no, I wasn't, but I was, I was, I was furious as well because I should have been on that game. How come? Uh, well, he um, he gave away a penalty in the first half, and I mean, obviously, I'm biased. I think he should have been sent off. Right. So yeah. you were. Yeah. So I, I was on the bench and I was waiting to waiting to get stripped and. As a goalkeeper, is there a little bit of you that goes, oh, I hope number one gets... Uh, if you're on the bench, is there a little bit that goes, I hope he gets injured or I hope he gets sent off? <sighs> Not really, no. I have to say that. But <laughs> because because most of the, most of the keepers I've, I've worked with have, have been great lads and we've always got them well, yeah. So, but in to, that instance? Yes, in that instance, yes. But that was just because of the way he used to treat me before games. Oh, well, that's I mean, a lovely bit of insight there. But I think that was the last time that maybe there were two, whether they faced each other, not entirely sure. Are you right with the ponytails being used? Is that right? Oh, it's I'm 2018, a, isn't it? You can do whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, I was, I mean, I, I had a few years playing with a headband in. What? Yeah, I had a headband. It grew me hair long. I mean, there. it's these kind of things you should tell me before we start doing a podcast. Yeah, and it was great. Cause Alice band. Yeah, um, it was just a piece of elastic. Was it wasn't it? actually an Alice Bounce, which was a piece of elastic. Oh, right. So uh, uh, I, I sort of... Did you get it from down the garage, you know what I mean? No. <laughs> like a man. I'm not wearing a band, I'm wearing a bit of elastic from the top of a oil canister. What do you want about you, mag? Uh, yeah, so I, I'd sort of... Um, um, the first time I used it, I remember we were, I was in Aberdeen, we were out in Holland playing a pre-season tournament, or pre-season uh, training camp. And uh, we had quite a bit of a following. I mean, you always used to, even pre-season, you used to take a lot of fans away with the Stortree games. And uh, it, was, it was quite a proud moment Shout, uh, when the, all the Aberdeen fans shouted, started shouting, uh, Priest is a porn star. <laughs> I mean, I did look like, I mean, we were in Holland. I was I had long hair, I was wearing a headband, you know what I mean? It was. Have you ever been to Claire's it. accessories? Uh, many a times, I've got a 10-year-old daughter, so oh, okay. many a times. But yeah. not for yourself, you've not, not done a personal purchase for a headband? No, it was just... A, just kept it real with just a piece of elastic. So let's have a look at that game then. It ended 2-1. Man United took the lead 2-0 pretty early. I predicted 6-0 on the show on Saturday morning and people were going, you're an idiot. And then when the Man United went 2-0 up after 20 minutes and was like, oh, actually, the little fat bloke might be onto something. Annoyingly. It, you it, thought United were going to win 6-0? <laughs> I yeah, predicted okay. on the okay, show. Yeah. You said you watched it. Do you not remember that bit? Uh, you must have been... I, I mean, I did watch a fair bit of it. You know, been yeah. I mean, I had it on the TV in the background. So oh, OK, yeah, that's absolutely fair enough. Right, so first goal. Um, well, just talk us through it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> incredibly, somebody, uh, a, a couple of people tweeted me last night saying that uh, they thought that he was at fault for the first, the Karras was at fault for the first goal. And, I mean, it's just a brilliant shift by Rashford inside uh, uh, I was going to say Terence Trent Derby. Uh, <laughs> Trent, Alex, Trent, Trent Alexander Arnold, yeah. Sign you. But we, we, yeah, but we might call him that from now on. Um, yeah, so he's shifted inside and then he sort of he hasn't put the brakes on uh, quickly enough, so he's been turned inside too too easily. And it's just a phenomenal strike. It's just a clean strike. I mean, it's 
you know, if you're going to position yourself to um, to your left to to cover that, you're probably not going to be in the best, uh, the right position. Um, you know, you're going to be reading it and taking a little gamble. So I, I couldn't say anything that Carrie said done wrong. Personally, I, this is as as, as, an, as an armchair fan. I and I thought could he have gone to the ball, closed him down a little bit, or no, nah, well, not for me. I think he just he was in the right position and he just yeah, he just be been beat by a very good shot. The second goal. He did come under a bit of criticism from a few people. Was it Danny Murphy last night? Yeah, he's come under a lot of criticism from from some people simply because they, they think he's you know there's no reason for him to come running out. But the deflection, it's no, there's no question, the deflection of Van Dyke is uh, is causing all the problems. And if the ball goes past Van Dyke and uh, Karius is there to make a block. Uh, people say it will just say, oh, he's he's been really positive there, really aggressive in his position, and uh, he would get a lot of plaudits. But I think that the fact that the ball does bounce off Van Dyke and it goes across, he's always he, not panicking, but he's always in trouble trying to get across to uh, to block the uh, the second shot, the second shot from Rashford, and that takes a little bit of a deflection as well. The only criticism we can have of him there, I think that as he's going back across, sometimes it's better to be in the wrong position and set. Then try and get yourself in the best position and not be set. Right. So if he just sort of puts the brakes on, like you know, saying uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold should have done for the first goal, just put the brakes on a bit sooner. Try and get yourself set, or just slow yourself down so you might be able to react. Maybe he could have done that, but other than that, it's it's not a, it's not an error for me, you know. Right. And, that, and that's and that's the difficult thing I have to to square up the people who say that it is because it's. Yeah, you can see he could have done something differently, but I don't think it's an error at all. David De Gea, um, had he saved? Because he got a hand to buy his amazing own goal. Yeah, it's a ridiculous finish. It's a cracking own goal. I mean, we might even put that in goals of the week next week in uh, <laughs> Soccer AM. Because he got a touch to it. Yeah. Had he saved that and turned it around the post, I think Twitter would have melted and there would have been statues of him all around the world and the greatest goalkeeper ever to have lived. That, that's the hardest thing with with conceding own goals like that is the fact that once it goes to your defender you do tend to relax a little bit so you, you, you're waiting for you're just waiting for them to clear the ball you know because as the balls come across and again I watched it last night as a, as a goalkeeper I guess you're thinking oh well there's no danger here mm. the ball's coming in I've got two defenders in front of me who are probably going to clear it or take it and then a bit of tippy-tappy out you're not expecting Bay to do a, a wonder goal, a back heel wonder goal. No, there's a great example of this sort of early on the season with um, with Matty Ryan. He, he conceded a goal that everyone thinks, oh well, he, he should have done better with that. He should have saved it. I think it was a, it was an own goal by it was either by Lewis Dunk or, or Duffy. But the balls come in and the balls going through his defender's head. So you do tend to relax. You just think. I know you get told that you should expect the unexpected, but you just naturally do relax. And the, if your defender's going to head the ball, even though it's a bit of a 50 pence head def- uh, header, it goes back it towards your goal and you, you're caught a bit unawares, you know. But it's, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it would have been ridiculous save if you saved it. Both wearing Adidas Predator gloves as well, I think. They, they look very nice, though. They look they? very nice. Yeah. Look, I mean, to be fair, they could have been in a band, Carrius and De Gea. I mean, like in a, in yeah, a but the, it's tour in American band. Con- contrasting styles, I think, sort of, um, Carrius is a bit of a boy band, sort of American yeah. boy band, sort he of Backstreet Boys. Boy. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, and then, uh, I don't know, he looks, what does the gay look like? I think he looks like a DJ. He could absolutely be DJing across Europe. Oh, that's interesting. Do you that. not think? Um, what, what was the, who was the French one? French goalkeeper. No, the French... Uh, DJ, we're going off on one here. But. Yeah, we are going off on one. Let's get back to the uh, games and uh, start talking about uh, European DJs. Everton 2, Brighton 0. Not really much to talk about. Uh, Tosin's goal again. Second second week where he's had a cracking cracking finish and where both goalkeepers have not been able to do anything no, at but, all. No, but I think the, uh, the one notable um, piece of action in this game is obviously Matty Ryan's penalty save. Absolutely. Absolutely brilliant. And, you know, he's going from strength to strength. He's, you know, I think anybody who'd seen him play before he came here knew how highly rated he was and and didn't have really many doubts about how he'd be able to handle it. And uh, just every week, you know, he's he's impressing. He is. Do you think he'll be at Brighton for the foreseeable? Oh, yeah, I mean... yeah, so as long as they're still, which is, it looks like the the will this season. Yeah, he's uh, he's going to he's going to sort of develop into a very solid. Uh, 
Premier League goalkeeper. Oh, Australia in the World Cup. They are, yes. So he'll be there? Yeah, he'll be there, yeah. Do you think he's, is he first choice? Yes, he is, yeah. He is. Yeah. I mean, this is all stuff that I should have checked out before, but it's just coming to my head now. Huddersfield nil, Swansea nil. Not really much to talk about apart from that one save by Fabianski that a few people tweeted us in saying, have a look at this. It was a good save, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it is. And it's, it's he's another one who's sort of... Um, he, he's blossoming uh, it's sort of in his later years now he's sort of early 30s and I always think of him being a lot younger than that but he has been around a long time he has been a, yeah. I was looking at some stats from the, from goalkeepers the last three or four years and he's he's always he's always been there like knocking about yeah um, and from it's pretty damning really for the um, of of Arsenal from an Arsenal point of view that the fact that him uh, Wojciech Chesney and uh, they've both went to, left the club. Go on. Then. Well, this is the point. I spoke to our, our producer Tayo, um, who a few of you might be familiar with from a few other podcasts. So I spoke to Tayo yesterday, and he said the same thing. He said it's a bit worrying if you're an Arsenal fan that both goalkeepers that we've released have gone on to be arguably better goalkeepers at other clubs. And again, this is something that we want to talk about later on, goalkeeping coaching and what's what's happening at Arsenal. Um, and again, we'll talk about Petr Cech later on. But Fabianski seems to have just got a lot better since he's left Arsenal. Yeah, and a lot of that's you know, playing regularly as well. That, that's you know, It's been a big theme this season, especially with the likes of Karius. It does make a big difference and uh, when you're working with the same players week in, week out. and Goalkeeping coaches uh, are there to assist and aid goalkeepers to make sure that they're in the best uh, condition, in the best frame of mind, uh, in the best sort of you know just the best goalkeeper they'd be for a Saturday afternoon once they're going to the uh, to the pitch then it's you know it, they're on their own yeah you've got, exactly you've got I don't know responsibility is the right word but it's all down to them so anything that's you know good that happens they take all the credit for it you're just a facilitator to make that happen but I think that's uh, like Tony Roberts you know he's got to take um, uh, huge credits uh, for the, Tony Roberts is at Swansea. The Swansea goalkeeping coach, sorry, yeah. Um, he's got to take massive credit because he has developed into a, a very solid, more than solid, I'm, I'm probably doing with a disservice there. He's a, like a very good Premier League goalkeeper and one that if Swansea were to go down that you'd think there would be a, a quite a bit of interest in him uh, to keep him in the Premier League. Really? Yeah. I mean, he's it, all round game. I mean, especially coming for high balls and crosses, he, he's really impressed me this season. Because he doesn't come across as the tallest goalkeeper in the Premier League, does he? No, but I, I think some people, you know, take Shea given, for example, a lot of people used to mention Shea's size, but he's not a small fella. Do you know no, what I mean? He's and, and, he, and he's sort of very thick set and broad. You know, he's in the, the gym. The largest lot. thighs I've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. So, in. I don't know. It's just people's perceptions when they're looking down at the pitch at somebody. It's it can, it can be sort of misleading. I think it's the same with um, with, with Lucas. He's he's certainly not small. You know, he maybe not the biggest built, but goalkeepers don't tend to be this uh, uh, these days. We've touched on it in previous uh, episode that the Swansea defence that some sometimes can be woeful, and the Fabianski has had a lot to do. He's faced a lot of shots this season. You just think that if he was in a team, in a top six, maybe even top eight team, if he was in a Burnley or you know a Spurs team, he'd be he'd be up there. Yeah, but it's a different proposition from because if that's the case, then obviously it, it's a lot easier if you if you've got a lot Absolutely. to do, you know. And if you make an early save, it's, it's easier for you to get into the game and get into get into the zone. But yeah, I'd I'd quite fancy him there to to be in a, a team that's pushing certainly for um, Europa League places Just very briefly West Brom uh, against Leicester West Brom obviously went 1-0 up Leicester ended up winning 4-1 at 1-0 Schmeichel made a cracking save mm. and again we've talked about it it's that save that lifts the whole of the crowd but also the team and I mean it worked didn't it they went on to win 4-1 Yeah and uh, it- it's we'll go to, to other games where keepers have made crucial saves in a minute, but it's these saves that are made at crucial times when it's at nil nil uh, or other teams are one nil up or one nil down. They they mean just as much as the goals, and and, and Schmeichel's is a perfect exa- example of that as well. It's look from um, Ben Foster's point of view. There's probably a, a couple of the goals that have come from crosses that you think that. 
know, looking back, he'll uh, in, in analysing it, he'll think he maybe he's could have done better with because there's certainly in a in an area where he can come and affect the the play. Yeah, West Ham nil, Burnley three. That is next up now. Um, we've chatted about it, and we're going to talk about it later on about the England goalkeeping situation now if you're looking at who is to fill that third place if you already made up your mind of Jordan Pickford and Jack Butland and you're looking at right do we take Pope or do we take Hart this is the game to watch and on that form you're kind of going well I'd probably take Pope because Hart didn't have a, a, a great game a few decent saves from Pope um, then if you look at Hart that Barnes goal was insane I mean I don't think many keepers mm-hmm. are going to get that out of proper top binage and then he spills the third goal. I mean, we won't talk about what's going on, you know, because as I say, we, we concentrate on what's going on in the 18-yard box, but Hart does spill that third shot. Yeah, it's a horrible shot, to be honest, but uh, at that level, you're expecting a, a keeper to to either catch it or get it out of the danger area. I mean, sometimes it's better to be safe than sorry. You often see in that situation when balls are bouncing in front and just to his right, it's some people might take a sort of um, a volleyball technique so it's sort of like with two arms you come to the to meet the bounce of the ball and just sort of like scoop it away really and try and get as much power on it as possible yeah or? exactly so I mean it's it, it is a, if anything goes wrong with that then obviously you get even more criticism but it's just one that's, that you'll look at and, and think that you should have done better but and I hate that I don't know why I keep saying that I hate that because I, I did a piece a couple of years ago about uh, people saying he should have done better yeah, but well, I miss was well. Can you see? But the thing also, we've got we've got the, uh, you know we've our feature is should, should have done, done better. better. Yeah, so I think yeah. I think it's absolutely we'll valid. Also. But you know because he'll look at that and he'll probably say, oh, I could have done better there. Yeah, I should have dealt with. It. What's happening with uh, Nick Pope the last couple of weeks as well? It's almost like you know with the, the boxing have these eliminators, yeah. so where that you know sort of like a literally a, a knockout sort of. Um, if the goalkeeping situation, the England goalkeeping situation, was kind of like a, what they have in boxing, or these eliminator uh, bouts, going to a final, that was the belt at the, at the end of the, that final. Nick Pope is he's, he's beating all comers at the minute because yeah. I think last last week against Everton, uh, it wasn't a great. I mean, Jordan Pickford made some good saves and he kept his team in it, but there was a couple of question marks over the, the goals he conceded. Where Nick Pope was just solid. And it's the same again this week at nil nil. He makes two great saves, one v one, especially the second one. Um, with the foot was it one with the foot? Yeah. So what one's more of a block straight on it, it sort of comes at him and he just stands and and it hits him. But the second one's a, a great reaction. Just sticks out a left, left boot, boot, boot yeah. yeah, and just turns it away for a corner. And you just think it, I've seen West Ham quite a few times this season and. There's times in, in games, especially in the first half, where they they're very much in the game and they're quite often the the better side and they don't capitalise on that and then they end up uh, sort of uh, ruin those chances and, and concede in the second half and it, it's, this is exactly what's happened here but it's Nick Pope again just being solid and um, not the flashiest of saves but it's just so important and it allows it gives his team a platform to go on and win the game comfortably I think um, Pope had to deal with a few long shots that Quite similar to the one that Hart spilled at the end, and if you were to look at them both, you you know you do think, well, I'd I'd, I'd feel safer with 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 Pope there. Now, <clears throat> if Tom Heaton is fit and he's going to be fit soon, does Heaton get back into the squad? <sighs> yes, if he's playing, but I mean, and if and if he's playing well enough, but at the moment you can't see a reason why. Sean Dyche would, would change, his, change these uh, goalkeepers. Nick Pope's doing a brilliant job, and yeah, we, we spoke about it. It, it. it changes the dynamic a little bit now because uh, Joe's back in the in the side. Now, do you think if, is that enough for Gareth? Just the fact that not if he's playing well enough, just that if the fact that he's back in the side. Now, I've, I've had lots to think about this, and we, we spoke about it last week. If I was Joe, I'd, I'd kind of think that I was not an entitled, but I deserved to be there simply because I played my part in getting the country there. But that's, I mean, it's it's not about sentimentality or or what people deserved six months ago. It's what people deserve at the time, and I just think that I, I can't say that Southgate omit them from the from the squad, but at the same time, I'd feel 
if I was Nick Potter, I'd feel very hard done by. Well, there's a new feature we're going to be doing called On the Plane, and we're going to do it each week until the squad is announced. I think it's roughly about uh, about the 19th of, uh, of May. We're going to talk... Yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot. Right, it's Gareth Southgate. You've got to pick your three keepers today. Who are you going with this week? Pickford's Butland and Pope. Pope. Yeah. After that. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's not like this... It's about one game, you know... If um, if Joe stays in for the remainder of the season and performs brilliantly, then it's another question altogether there again. But at this moment in time, you, know, you, you can't justify. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The next game we're going to talk about is Arsenal 3, Watford 0. Now, the two main stories here, um, Troy Deeney, Troy Deeney's cojones comment, coming back to bite him in the botty. Uh, but then also Petr Cech, which obviously is great for us because it means we can get to fill this podcast. He had to save a penalty. It was his first penalty save since February 2011. His first one whilst he's been at Arsenal. The last time he saved a penalty was in February 2011 when he played for Chelsea. It was against Fulham. He's made four penalty saves in his Premier League career. And yesterday, he racked up his 200th Premier League sheet. The first goalkeeper to do that. 38th clean sheet for Arsenal, 162nd for Chelsea. He'd been waiting for that clean sheet since mid-December. They're the stats that I've picked up. Are you impressed with my stats, but also, more importantly, Petr Cech? Well, I'm, I'm impressed with you both, Thank you, you and Petr Cech. Um, it, it's a phenomenal record. And the fact that he's had to wait so long for these 200th... It, it, I kind of got the feeling that it was a little bit disrespectful from the uh, Arsenal defenders <laughs> that they've been playing so badly that he wasn't uh, yeah. he, he wasn't able to celebrate. But it's um, it just seemed right that for his two hundredth uh, clean sheet that he made he made some important saves in the game. And it wasn't just that penalty, was it? There was other stuff that you noted, especially. Yeah, exactly. There was, there was a couple of sort of there was one one v one. There was a, a shot that was. Um, it looked at normal speed. It looked more simple than what it was, but uh, the shot, uh, shot came in, got a slight deflection. He'd already committed himself to dive and just sort of shot out a left hand just to block it. Um, but it, like I said, it was fitting that he, he managed to, to crown his his two hundred clean sheet with a with a penalty uh, with a penalty save. When it it got to a point really that it was uh, it become a bit of a joke. Yeah, yeah. Is it somebody of his stature? Uh, and the fact that it wasn't that he wasn't saving penalties. He wasn't getting anywhere near them he wasn't and quite often he wasn't going the right direction I think it was like uh, 28% of the time he, he he went to the right direction for the penalties so yeah. it wasn't even do you know how many he's faced um, well what I've got here I know there's uh, look at a couple of uh, a couple of sources and in his whole career I think he's, he's faced 74 now 74. that must 
that must take in penalty shootouts, and um, I'm assuming it does anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's lot a, of that's penalties. A, that's a lot. <laughs> it's got to take in. But it was it was 16 out of that 74 that, that, he, that, that he'd games. saved. Oh, 16. That, oh, that right, he'd saved. Okay. Well, if you take so basically, he's only he's only made four penalty saves in his Premier League career. I mean, there's obviously there's going to be some that are in the League Cup, FA Cup. So I mean, that's a that's yeah. Champions, there's a couple in the Champions, Champions League, League yeah. as well. But if you go to um, sort of what the average is for for saving penalties, you're looking at saving one every four penalties. Should save twenty five percent of penalties. That's the that's the average. Um, you know, you look at some like. Uh, Courtois, who's who's well below average as well. Larice is well below average. So it's not just a, it's not something that's that the petter checkers has found difficult. You no, know? amongst the league keepers, not everyone is brilliant at it. But there's one somebody who excels at it, and that's uh, Diego Alves. Now I looked at his uh, a lot of his penalties um, and his stats quite a while ago for something else, and he has a forty six percent. Uh, success rate success rate saving penalties wow it, it's absolutely ridiculous and uh, reading a, um, an interview with uh, Ocho Torreira the, uh, his, his coach at Valencia legendary goalkeeping coach he is and, uh, and he just said he hasn't seen anybody like him that's, he has so much control over the situation because he tries to affect it by getting into the uh, psyche the mindset yeah exactly it, it, yeah even the likes of Messi you know, he, he's he's saved penalties from Messi, and he's got it in his head by just chatting before, uh, what, just before he's about to take it. Uh, but he just says he, Ochoa saying he hasn't seen anybody with the intuition or even the reflexes because he goes the right way sixty percent of the time. And so, like, if you compare that to to Petacek, it's you know, it's, it's double the amount of times. And obviously, the, the more often you go the right way, the more chance you've got it, you've got of saving them. But he's, uh, I think, he's in in. Back in Brazil now, playing for Flamengo. He's only thirty-two years old, and wow. he's he is an absolutely phenomenal penalty saver. Um, on that point, we asked the question at the very start of the show: Who has saved the most penalties in the Premier League? Now, it is a goalkeeper. So, there's, I'll give you first, second, and third. All three of them are currently in the Premier League. Um, first place with nine penalty saves. Any idea? Any guesses? Do you know what I bet? Racking my brain. Um, Current Premier League goalkeeper. It must be old one. It must be old. Quite old, yeah. Um, Hasn't been starting recently. About three or four games ago. Has been dropped to the bench. I've gone blank. Jorelio Gomez. Oh, really? With nine penalty saves. Second place. I don't think he started this season. Well, Huddersfield Town, Robert Green mm. with nine penalty saves, but he has faced fewer penalties. And in third place, Mignolet with oh, eight. Yeah. So the answer to is who has saved the, the most penalties in the Premier League is actually Aurelio Gomez and Robert Green. But Aurelio Gomez has a better record if you look at the number that he has faced. So the last game that we're going to talk about, Bournemouth 1, Spurs 4. Take it away, David Priest. Yeah, so there was two instances in this game that's, uh, that, that got me thinking about things. And the first one was the Bournemouth goal by Callum Wilson. So the ball's come across the left-hand side um, and he just he struck the ball across into the bottom le- uh, bottom right-hand corner as we look at it. And Davison Sanchez comes across and he slides across, trying to block it. Probably doing what you'd want him to do, just to do everything you can to try and stop it. Uh, but he ends up getting there a little bit too early, sliding past the the ball, and uh, Callum Wilson puts the ball across uh, both him and Larice into the to their bottom left hand corner. Now there's not much Larice could do in that situation. It's a great finish, but it just got me thinking about what defenders should be doing in this situation now, especially with going back to last week's game Spurs and Juventus the way that Juventus defend so what what in, in that situation what could Davison Sanchez do now when I was playing in Denmark I played with a, a guy called Anders Moller Christensen right and of all the players that I have played with he was almost like playing with another goalkeeper so especially when we were playing in, not so much in games but in, in small sided games where you know you quite often can uh, find yourself ahead of your defenders. He was very good at talking to me. So if there was a ball, uh, if there was a, uh, somebody coming one v one with me, and I had to go and engage him, 
he would literally tell me not to worry about say if it was if I was on the left hand side, not to worry about the right hand side of the goal. So he would just drop in behind me and and, and cover that side of the goal. So it just meant I knew that I didn't have to worry about that. If it went that side, I wasn't worried. So I just uh, basically he, he was cutting down the the size of the goal that I had to cover. Right, and it was it was brilliant because you. you Every time we, 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 the more we worked together, the, the more you, you got in tune with each other, the way each other worked. So then it got to a point where we weren't even really talking. It was uh, just it was, an understanding. Yeah, it was understanding, done distinctly. And that's why, we, you know, we, we talk about the consistency that goalkeepers need to play with the defenders and not having the chopping and changing all the time. Week in, week out. Yeah, exactly. So you can create these relationships to so that it, it doesn't need, it can be just done on actions rather than words. And, um, and that's what um, it wasn't just that that situation with Davinson Sanchez. It was you know, Trent Alexander Arnold turning his back on Rashford. Yeah. It was. Um, Where's the Palace game? Milovievich, yeah, um, against Manchester United when Matic is coming to the ball. It's a great strike. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's fitting of winning any any goal, but uh, any game. But the fact is when he. When he approaches Matic, he turns his body out the way and uh, he halves the, the, the area that he's covering. If he just ran straight towards him and didn't turn his back, the ball just hits him in the chest or the stomach and they, they, they get a point out of the game. And there's just so many instances in games these days that you're looking at that if, where shots are coming in from the edge of the box and players are turning their back and it's you're leaving everything to chance. So if you're facing up to the ball and you can see that the shot's coming at you, all right, it's you know it's going to hit you, it might hurt, but the fact is you can still react. If you're still looking at the ball, you can still react. It's like goalkeepers in one-on-one situations. You know yeah. what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got a chance. And like I said, you... you if you're if you're square onto the man rather than being side on turn away, you, you know you're covering a lot of the goal and you can you can block a lot of things. And that's what the likes of Juventus when they're the, uh, sort of uh, Benucci, Bozagli and um, and Chiellini together. Yeah, they, they chuck their bodies on the line. They they do everything they can uh, to to stop the ball going past them. But also it's the way they position themselves on the pitch. And I just just think that far too many defenders these days are just turned away from the uh, from from the shots. And like I said, leaving it a chance, and you, you, it's really a bit of a cop out for your defenders, uh, for your goalkeepers. Well, you're not helping them out at all because he, he, at least when you if you're facing the ball and you can you can react to it. It give, even if it takes a deflection, you give more of a signal to your goalkeeper where it's going to hit off, yeah, yeah. rather than just leaving it to chance. Like I said, it's interesting just going back to that bit about you saying chopping and changing how it's important for a goalkeeper to play with their defence week in week out basically how many goalkeepers have been used this this, this season so far because we've been talking about obviously Forster has been dropped for McCarthy Pope's coming for Heaton what's going on West Ham between Hart and Adrian um, Newcastle they've got their n- new lad in Liverpool so there's a lot of teams and I was thinking crikey we, we must this season, we must have seen more goalkeepers play than any other season before. Actually, it's the opposite effect. So far, with eight games to go, we've seen 35 goalkeepers, different goalkeepers be, be, be being used. And that is starting, but also being brought on because of injuries. Obviously, like Edison had to come off. Uh, Courtois, I think, had to come off for a game. And this is just uh, in, in the Premier League. Last season, 42 goalkeepers were used. The season before that, 48. season before that, 2014, 15, 49. 2013, 2014, 50. So, it's, you know, it's slimming down. So from 50 to 49 to 48, 42, 35 this season with eight games to go. So you just kind of wonder, well, maybe actually managers do have more of an idea as to who they're playing. But this is, but it just kind of caught my eye that we've been talking about a lot of the ins and outs. But maybe I've just not been aware of it. No, no, I, I, I'd expect it to be more as well. You know, because you said that there's been more sort of, in, not indecision, but maybe, um, you know, Managers have been sort of more willing to to change keepers if they haven't been playing well. Yeah. The things like you look like you know Vorm has been used once in the Premier League, Mihal has been used once, Brav has been used once, Alspin has been used once, all in the, in the league. So he's you know to be fair, it's just there's just been a few teams that have been rotating uh, who they've been using. Anything else you want to talk about in that game? Yeah, there was the um, the Son goal. Now that when the, the Spurs broke and Son was. Just free to uh, to go one on one with with Begovic, and he had a long way to to run. Now, there's a lot of people talking about whether Begovic should have uh, should have engaged Son earlier. Yeah. 
And now we've seen a lot of incidents like this. Um, uh, David Gaia um, last week against Palace, he sort of sat deep and waited for the. Um, I think it was uh, Van Aanholt to come on to him. Lloris as well with the baller uh, during the week. And, and people question why they haven't come and uh, engaged earlier and and put more pressure on the on the the opponent. Now in this situation, I think that Asmi has made the right decision. The same as uh, with Hugo during the week. What it does, it, you, you put more, you, you do actually put more pressure on the on the opponent because you're giving them more time to think about it, and, and perhaps not at the very elite level, but at a lot of levels, you give people more time to think about it. Once they start thinking about more options, yeah, and sort of it just messes with their mind a little bit and creates indecision uh, instead of making their mind up for them. In this situation, he delays as much as he can. Asmi delays Son's finish as much as he can. It, it delays it so defence can get back. Also, if he does come and engage him a little bit earlier, there's an easy square ball onto Eric Lamella to his right to put it in. Who could just put it into his empty net? And I think the finish that Son applies, he shifts the ball to his left and 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 puts it in the back of the net. It looks pretty simple. But it didn't matter whether he was doing that from the edge of the box, from 12 yards out or six yards out, it's still going to be the exact same finish. It's not going to be um, any more, uh, I say any more difficult. It's, it, he's not going to do anything differently if uh, Asmir is further out there. Maybe the one thing that Asmir could have done is just shift his feet a little bit quicker to try and push him wide rather than, I think he tries and spread himself, you know, yeah. like sort of like with his feet, sort of like the, the key blocking technique so that he thinks he's going to be a finisher. He tries to block and instead Son just faints and just takes it round him. I think it, the only, that's maybe the only mistake that he makes is that if he'd stayed on his feet a little bit longer and he could have moved, he might have been able to push Son a little bit wider. But I think, uh, like I said, in, in those situations, it isn't always the right thing to come and engage and be aggressive. I always thought it was... Uh just come out and close them down as, as quick as possible but I mean that's why we're doing this Right let's look at performance of the week I think it's between two goalkeepers either Czech or Pope what are you saying? Yeah well Nick Pope saves uh, contributed to, to his side having a comfortable win like we said they were done at a, a crucial time in the game when it was nil-nil but there's no way we can't give this uh, or not give this to to Petr Cech. Not only did he save a penalty, not only did he uh, make a couple of good saves in the game, but it's he got his 200 uh, Premier League clean sheet. That's, and that's great. Yeah, and and that deserves recognition. Petr, if you're listening, congratulations. Um, please come on the show. Save of the week. Now we put that out for a poll. It was between Fabianski, Czech, and Matty Ryan. Two penalty saves, and also that reaction save from Fabianski. Now it's actually quite interesting uh, the the results that came through because it was very tight. I'd say the tightest it's been. Twenty seven percent say Fabianski save. Twenty eight percent Ryan save. Twenty eight percent say Czech save. And then seventeen percent said other. Now, if you look at the others, they're basically suggesting uh, either me from an amazing save that I did uh, in the Soccer AM car park on Saturday morning, but um, that doesn't count. But then the other one is James McEwen save. Now, James McEwen, obviously, there's a bit of a Grimsby Town following on this podcast because I support Grimsby. Also, used to play for Lincoln. Um, hopefully, we're doing something next week because it's the Grimsby Lincoln derby next week. But a number of people have said James McEwen save. Now, we're going to tweet that out. He makes, makes an amazing save. We drew one all with Port Vale. It's a reaction save. It's it's it's, it's a world class save. We'll tweet it out uh, later on so you can have a look at it. So I think so. The, the save of this week has to go to Grimsby Town's James McEwen. James, I mean, you've asked to come on the podcast, so I mean, I, I actually asked him, but he, he's he's definitely coming. On. So which ones he got for? Has he got for the uh, for the tip over the bar or the penalty save? Tip over the bar. The penalty save is good, but it's it's the tip over the bar because that is that would have changed the game. Should have done better of the week. I think it has to go to Joe Hart, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean there there wasn't many uh, much competition this week, but uh, yeah, sorry it's, Joe. Yeah, please come on the show. Winner of the glove story for a lovely uh, lovely review, well not a lovely review just for doing a review, is a chap called Ross Ross will get in contact with you it says Ross England uh, he gave us a, a nice little uh, oh, he's, done, he's done a few, to be fair he's done a few he's done a few reviews, you can see that uh, just a reminder, if you have enjoyed this podcast do give us a review, hopefully a nice four or five star one and also just a few words just about how, how you like it, um, the better reviewed it is, the more 
popular it becomes, the more popular it becomes. Um, I mean, just the more we can do because <laughs> we're doing this because we love you at the moment. And, and the less work we have to do elsewhere. Exactly. Yeah. That is what we're looking at. Uh, we're going to be looking at more of your tweets next week. We've got, I mean, we we tried to sub this down to an, an hour, and hopefully we have done, but it's uh, it's, it's it's been a, a long old bloody podcast today. Uh, but I've enjoyed it. Uh, Craig Parker, he said, um, please look at our goalkeeper, Bartos Bielowski, who's just been called up to the Poland squad. Uh, there's a showreel that Ipswich have uh, tweeted. Have a look at that. It's some bloody brilliant saves in there. Yeah, Bart, Bart came to Barnsley when I was there. Yeah, Did he? yeah, we, um, we we had a couple of injuries myself and Luke Steele and. Um yeah, he came in. I think he only came for one game. I'm sure he did. Really? Yeah, just one game. Yeah, and he was only a kid at a time, like you know, for somebody coming in championship level at that age. Yeah, he, he did really well. I mean, he's been a, he's been brilliant for Ipswich all the time. He's been there. But have a look at that. There's a there's a show that they've done of his saves, and there's some absolute stonkers in there. Uh, so that is all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we'll be back next week. Do tweet us in with any suggestions. Give us a follow on Twitter at number one podcast. That's at no one podcast. Uh, give myself and David a follow on Twitter as well. You'll see us there again. If you've enjoyed it, please do give us a little review. We'll be sending out a copy of Glove Story uh, to you if we pick you. Uh, that is all from me. You've been absolutely lovely. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, good day, good night, and see you later. Bye bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.